Well, thanks so much to Bill for doing that. He did that early on a, a Thursday morning, about 7.30 in the morning. So he has all that joy right away in the beginning of the day. Well, this week I opened up my uh, retirement account statement and it came in the mail. Hopefully it's always good news when you do that, right? You want to see that your money is growing and earning some interest, uh, especially at this time in my life. I want to know that what I have invested there is going to keep growing and having some compound interest so it's going to be available uh, when I need it a little later in life. And this account is successful based on saving, right? We want to be able to save into that retirement account and leave it alone so that it'll have some interest until I need to use it a little bit later. That's how our economy works. But what I want to talk about a little bit today is about God's economy because God's economy is a little different than our economy. Our economy, this particular account, right, is based on saving for the future. But God's economy really is about sharing. It's really about sharing and releasing what it is that's in our hand. And so we're in this series called Difference Maker this month. And sometimes we ask, what difference can one person make in this world? How can you or I have an impact in what we see that's going on all around us? And my goal during this series or this month is to help us see that we can make a huge impact when we do it together. When all of us contribute together to the body of Christ, that's when we begin to make a significant positive difference in the world around us. So the first week we talked about making a difference by focusing on our mission. You heard Bill talk about that a little bit, right? To connect people with the love and life of Jesus Christ. Everything that we do needs to be about that. How do we help people understand the love of Christ and then help them to grow in what it means to live a life as a follower of Jesus Christ? Last week, we talked about leaving a legacy and planting good seeds in the hearts and lives of others, not just for today, but also for future generations, and not just for right here, but also all the way around the world. So today, we want to talk about how. How do we do that? How do we accomplish our mission? How is it that we plant seeds? And what I want to talk about today is about releasing what we have in our hands, sharing a portion of the resources that we have to give for God's work and God's ministry through our church. So that's what I want to talk about a little bit this morning, investing in God's economy. So we're going to turn to a scripture in the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 17. Our scripture for this morning, we find a man named Elijah. He's a prophet of God, and he becomes God's means to provide for another person's need. So we're going to pick up the story in verse 8. You'll see it up there on the screen. It says this, Then the word of the Lord came to him, Go at once to Zarephath and Sidon and stay there. I've commanded a widow in that place to supply you with food. So he went to Zarephath, and when he came in the town gate, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called to her, and he asked, Would you bring me a little water in a jar so I may have a drink? And as she was going to get it, he called, And please bring me a piece of bread. So Elijah is God's prophet, and he finds himself, he has a need. He needs a little water. He needs a little bread. He's been traveling a long distance, and he's hungry. He has a real need that he uh, needs to fill. And so God says, you need to talk to this widow, and together, God is going to do something in this way. So we want to continue there with verse 12. The widow says back to him, as surely as the Lord your God lives, she replied, I don't have any bread. Only a handful of flour in a jar and a little oil in a jug. 
and I'm gathering a few sticks to take home and make a meal for myself and my son so that we may eat it and die. And the widow is just real honest. She says, I, I would love to help you, but I don't have any bread to give. All I have is a handful of flour and a little bit of olive oil. It's a desperate situation. This woman, this widow, is t- trying to take care of her son, and she has given all that she has. And sometimes people ask this question, you know, how can a good God allow people to go hungry? How can a good God allow all of the suffering that we see in this world? And the reality is that God doesn't want anyone to go without the basic necessities of food and water. But in God's economy, he uses people. And that's why it's so important for us to be able to be good stewards of the resources that God has entrusted to us because these resources become a means to answer someone else's need and someone else's prayer. I love this quote from uh, Mike Slaughter, Pastor Mike Slaughter in Ohio. You'll see it up there in the screen. He says this, God releases heaven's resources to God's children through God's children. God releases heaven's resources to God's children through God's children. You and I get to be a part of what God is doing in this world through our giving. And God was about to do a miracle here. He sets it up. God is ready to do something powerful. God's ready to do something exciting. And he says uh, this, Elijah says to the widow in verse 13. He says, don't be afraid. Go home and do as you have said, but first make a small cake of bread for me from what you have and bring it to me and then make something for yourself and your son. For this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says, the jar of flour will not be used up and the jug of oil will not run dry until the day the Lord gives rain on the land. So this woman has this impossible situation. She's down to her last bit. Is she going to trust what this man of God says and be able to give the last of what she has to him? Or is she, and she trusts that promise, or is she going to go with what she can see, which is, this is all I have to be able to feed my son? And you can see this tension that's going to well up inside of her as she has to make this incredible decision. And, she, and, and the prophet uh, of God knows that this anxiety is going to be in, here, in her because what does he say first off? He says, don't be afraid. Because he knows that when we have those difficult decisions to make, whatever they are in our life, whatever the circumstances are for us, they often cause anxiety and they cause stress and they cause fear. And so first of all, he says, don't be afraid. I want you to use what's in your hand. God wants us to live out of what we have, out of the resources that God provides. And sometimes our problem is that we only see what we have. We, don't, we factor human computation instead of divine math. We see I only have this much. And we forget that this much in the hands of God is a lot. It's really interesting if you think about it. When you look at the New Testament miracles of Jesus, we see that often... He takes a little and he multiplies it into a lot. He very rarely creates something out of nothing. Think with me on a couple of examples. When there were 5,000 people that were hungry, Jesus didn't snap his fingers and have Big Macs that fell out of the sky, did he? Instead, what happened? There was a little boy who was willing to share 
his five loaves of bread and two fish. And Jesus took those and he took that small amount and he multiplied it to feed the crowd. When there was uh, some other folks and they had run out of wine at their wedding, this was a very big cultural embarrassment in that day. And what happened? He took what they had, water, and he turned it into wine. The miracle comes from what you have, not from what you don't have. And God asks us to surrender, to put into God's hands first what we already have, and to trust that Jesus will take that, and it will be enough. This act of release is really built on faith and trust. The woman had to look around as to all that was in front of her. And she had to apply, am I going to trust this promise of God? Am I going to take God's uh, promise, divine math, and add that to my equation? Because when you look with only human eyes, she had only this little amount. She was going to make one more meal for her son. That's all she saw. That's all that was in front of her. But she had to trust this promise of God that looking only through human eyes, there wasn't enough, but looking through the eyes of faith and trust that there would be enough. And that's what we as Christians are called to do and to be, to not live by just what we can see, but to live with a resurrection worldview. Resurrections don't make sense. And so we are called to walk by faith and not just by sight. And true faith involves three things. It involves our head, our heart, and our hands. And it doesn't become resource-releasing faith from God's perspective until it includes all three. Because you see, faith starts with our head, what we know to be true. And we're not going to be able to trust God's promises if we don't know what God's promises are. And that's why we have to study God's word. That's why we have to read it. That's why we have to know what it is so that we can understand the character of God and then we can understand the actions of God and we can understand how God has worked in people's life over centuries of time. And when we get to know the heart of God and we get to know the heart of Jesus, we begin to understand who God is and what God is able to do. We can't practice God's truth if we don't know it. And so faith starts in our head with what we know and then it moves to our heart, what it is that we trust, what it is that we truly believe. And the distance between our head and our heart is sometimes a really big difference because we can know a lot of things in our head, but are we going to actually trust them with our heart? We can know a lot of promises about God, but are we actually going to believe them when it comes to crunch time? Am I going to believe that God can truly do all things through me If I am strengthened by Christ, that thing, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Am I really going to trust that when I need it? Am I really going to trust that God is going to provide when I have to write a certain check? Am I really going to trust the promises of God? We have to let that go through in our heart. We begin to see that God is generous, and so we begin to practice generosity ourselves. We begin to see that we're part of something bigger that God is doing, allowing us to share with others. It's really our divine privilege and responsibility to be able to share with others to accomplish the work that God has called us to do. And sometimes God answers other people's prayers through you and me. 
There might be somebody crying out with a need right now. And God is gonna answer that prayer through you and me. That's what Bill was talking about as part of the food pantry. That somebody might have a prayer and they come with a need and you and I get a chance to be the answer to that person's prayer because we're there with food on that particular day. That's how it works in God's economy. God answers people's prayers through other people, through being generous and through being willing to share. But it starts with our head. Are we really gonna trust that? And it goes to our heart. What is it that we truly believe? And then we act with our hands. What it is that we actually do. And the widow, she was confronted with all of it that day. Am I going to, this promise that, that Elijah has given to me, Am I going to trust it to be true? And what was her action going to be? Verse 15. It says she went away and did as Elijah had told her. And so there was food every day for Elijah, for the woman, and her family. For the jar of flour was not used up and the jug of oil did not run dry in keeping with the word of the Lord spoken by Elijah. So notice the order and priority here. Notice what happened. Notice to whom she released it. She gave first to God's representative, to Elijah. It said she had to, she had to make that decision that she was going to give first to Elijah. And then it said there was enough for uh, God to provide for all of the rest of her needs. There was enough for Elijah. There was enough for her and for her family. And so here's a principle I want us to see for today. We have to release it so God can increase it. We have to release it so God can increase it. The woman, she could have closed her fist and she could have kept what little she had that day. That was her choice. Or she could open her hands and give that and allow God to do that miracle through her. Notice when you have your, your hands closed, you can't receive anything more. It's only what you have. But when we open our hands, that's when we're able to let go and to, release, to receive more. We have to release it so God can increase it. And she was able to be used for God's purpose and she was proved trustworthy of God's trust. The widow sacrificed and she was rewarded. And so the jar never ran empty for her and her son. God provides for our needs so that we can also be generous to other people. And God knows your sacrifice and mine, and God wants to continue to reward that in God's economy. And we truly are so grateful for your support of Redeemer over this past year. Even in the pandemic times and, and not meeting in person and only online for a while and all of the uncertainty of this last year, with everybody giving together and you're giving and you're giving and you're giving, we have been able to provide for all of our staff and ministry needs over the last year. It has been absolutely incredible to watch. And we've been able to keep our food pantry open, excuse me, every week and be able to minister to those needs no matter what was going on. We've been able to, to broaden, to be able to put our... Uh, services out on live stream. And I know that some of you say, I wasn't able to be here last week, but I still get a chance to see the service. And I'm so grateful that we were sort of pushed to be able to do that. And that costs a little bit of money for all the electronic equipment. And God has provided for all of those needs. 
and we continue to invest in the next generation through our children and youth ministries, what a blessing that you have been and continue to be. Over and over again, we see how God is doing a miracle. And as we look ahead, we are preparing to invest in some upgrades to our physical facility. And here at the DeWitt campus, we're going to be upgrading the parking lot this particular summer. There's been lots of patch and repair that we've done, and we're finally going to get a chance to just kind of gut it out and redo it so that it'll be nice for the years to come. And so we're going to do that this summer as well as updating the main sign on the corner and repainting the bell tower over here. And at the St. John's campus, we're going to be looking at doing some roof upgrades as well. And as I mentioned last week, 10% of what you give here goes first to missions outside of ourselves to be able to help people, just like Bill was talking about in the food pantry, locally and globally. But another 10% of what you give here goes to capital needs to be able to handle the big projects, the facility upgrades and things that need to happen. And so the great news that I want to share, and, and maybe you read it already in the e-news this week, because of your faithful giving over the past few years, and because of the wise stewardship of the finance team, those major projects, the parking lot and the sign and all those upgrades, are already covered. Isn't that amazing? God has been preparing ahead of time, glory to God, all of those expenses we are going to be able to cover. And so God continues to do that through our faithful giving and generosity over and over again. And as we look to the next year in terms of missional needs, we're going to increase our staffing with the addition of a small groups coordinator for both in-person and some digital small groups, as well as being able to connect with people more online. It's, a, it's an area of ministry that we need to get into and we need to invest in because people are looking for community and connection in different ways. And so that's one of the things that God has really put on our heart to be able to invest in over the next year. And we look forward to your support of those projects and ministry endeavors as you make a commitment for the next year. But part of what we get a chance to do when we all come together is to be able to release a part of what God has given us to be able to work in God's economy. We have to release it so God can increase it. Everything we have is a gift from God. And we say, well, I've worked for what I have. But remember, it's God who gives us the ability to work. And when we're generous and willing to share, we get a chance to take hold of life that is truly life. And we learn to be content and we learn to manage our resources for God's purposes. I'm reminded of uh, Malachi 3.10. I love this verse. It's just energizing to me. It says, Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And test me in this, says the Lord, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. This is how God's economy works. God's economy is to meet the needs in the world, and God says, test me in this. There's a cause and effect relationship between generosity and increase. We have to go beyond just believing in God's purposes to releasing it for God's work. The Lord does not ask more of us than he promises to give. We will not be able to experience the miracle of God until we open our hands, until we yield, releasing what we have to God, giving back a portion of that to him. And so this week in the mail, as I mentioned, you'll re be receiving that commitment card. And this is really a personal commitment that you make in response to all that God has given to you. And it's a commitment that we make based on faith and trust in God and in his promises. 
And I want you to pray about it and think about what it is that God is asking you to do, just like my family. We do that for ourselves as well. And think about it in terms of a percentage of your income. What are you willing to commit to God first? Not the leftovers at the end of the month, but the first fruits of what we have. And then to be able to live on the rest. We have to release it so that God can increase it. If we only hold on to it, God can't give us more. But when we open our hands, when we release it for God's purposes, that's when God wants to give that back to us as well. And so if you've never planned your giving before, start with 2% or 3% or 5%. But the goal is to get to that biblical tithe, to that 10%. And some of you give more than that, and that's terrific too. That just continues that cycle of generosity. But translate that percentage to an amount and fill out your card and bring it back with you next week on May the 2nd. Or you can complete it electronically by just going uh, to our app or to our mobile website. But we're going to have a a time in worship next week where we'll have the opportunity to bring those commitment cards forward as a way to dedicate them to God for the upcoming year. And it's a special time, and I believe that you'll be blessed, and we will be blessed as a congregation too. Because God invites you and me to be a part of investing in an unseen kingdom and to trust that that investment will go beyond our wildest dreams. It's even going to be beyond the investment of our regular economy. Because we do it in faith and trust. That God will be able to do so much more with it than we could. So be a demonstration of our faith and trust in God who is alive and who is active in our world, our church, and our lives today. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you that you invite us to be a part of what you're doing that you invite us as we get a chance to share and give back a portion of what you have given to us, that that becomes an answer to somebody else's prayer and to somebody else's need. And that cycle continues that, that when we have a need, that you will pour that back to us as well. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to catch a vision, Lord, of that cycle of generosity that as we give to you and to your work, as we get a chance to serve and to give, that you want to give back to us so much more than what we could ever give to you. And so, Lord, I pray that you would just lead us and guide us in this week as we make that decision, as we make that commitment to you, as we entrust our resources and give a percentage of that back to you. Lord, may it be for your honor and may it be for your glory. And Lord, sometimes you call us to be stretched and to step out of our comfort zone. And I pray that you would stretch us in faith so that we might give, Lord, out of the gratitude of our heart and out of the overflow of all that you've given to us. Thanks, Lord. We entrust it to your hand and for your provision. In the name of Christ, amen.